Thank you for downloading this sermon from Holy Trinity Reformed Church. If you live in the vicinity of Mooresville, Indiana, come join us as we rebuild Christ's Holy Church out of the ash heaps of American fundamentalism and evangelicalism through repentance, revival, and reformation. If you would like more information about Holy Trinity Reformed Church, or if you do not live in our area, but would like to support this ministry, please visit our website at reformedholytrinity.org. You're being seated. Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here this morning. Our text is in verse number 21 and 22. That is all the time that we will be able, or that is all that we will be able to look at here this morning. This whole chapter, of course, will be referenced. But our text here this morning is verse 21, where Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says this. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. This is the word of the Lord, and it is eternally true. So, for a year, since Pastor Frank Goodwin's health turned for the worst, we have lived with uncertainty, and of course he has lived with uncertainty, and his family's lived with uncertainty throughout that period of time, and then over a week ago, it became certain that Frank had entered the final stages of life. And yet, even in these final stages of life, no one knew when he would pass from this life into the next, and so each day was uncertain. Frank held on for over a week, and during this time period, I purposed within myself to continue on our schedule here at church, trying to keep some sense of certainty. And well, I had planned, far enough into the uncertain future at least, that I was supposed to preach a certain sermon today, but immediately, as soon as Brenda called me early Saturday morning to tell me that Frank had crossed over, I immediately knew I just, I can't preach that sermon this morning. And so my original thoughts were this over the last week and a half is that Frank would want us to be faithful and to continue on, but the reality is, is that we are to be faithful in the midst of our situations. And this morning, with his death yesterday morning somewhere around two o'clock this is what's on our minds and this is our current state and situation so the situation is this this morning the body of christ is grieving the loss of a husband a father a grandfather a pastor a friend and a brother We can declare that a great man of Israel has died, and it is in his death that we are to be faithful to Christ as well. So our faithful duty at this time is to mourn the loss of God's servant in the sure 
and certain hope of the resurrection. Our faithful duty this morning is to rejoice that our brother, God's servant, has entered into the joy of his Lord in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. And that is the title this morning. In the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. It is part of things, even though it wasn't planned, It is part of these things that you do need to know for 2013. That the resurrection is sure and certain. And so this is fitting. This is fitting within the theme for this year of things that we need to know. And this morning, what we need to know is that the things we are doing and the duty before us is in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. And when we speak of our hope in Christ, many today hear our words. And I'm afraid that unfortunately too many Christians are actually speaking it in this understanding. And they are actually speaking it in the way that it is being heard by the world. That's the unfortunate side of things. But the world is incorrect in hearing it this way, but they hear our words as if we're buying a lottery ticket. Because what are so many people doing this? Oh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Now, there's like a snowball's chance, right? And that's their definition of hope. Well, unfortunately, I think that's the way they're looking at eternity and the future state of things. That there's really not a snowball's chance, but just in case, right? It's a lotto ticket. Or it's as if they're purchasing fire insurance. Most people don't need it. It doesn't affect anybody. They'll pay a lot of money for that insurance. Never get anything out of it. But just in case. That's the way the world is hearing Unfortunately, I'm afraid that is the way many times we are speaking. But I want to state very emphatically that the messages that will be delivered both here in Indiana and Tennessee, the words that will be used, the acts that will be done in blessings and warnings, in our religious duties, when they lower his body into the grave down there in Tennessee, everything that is being done is being done for one reason, the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. Since the English Reformation, we have used the following words in our commending the soul to God, and the committing of the body to the ground. And I quote, and you'll hear this again, It has pleased Almighty God in his great mercy to take to himself the soul of our dear brother. We therefore commit his body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, in sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by his mighty power that enables him to subject all things to himself. These words, for the last 450 years plus, have been repeated throughout all of Western Christendom over and over and over and over at the death of our brothers and sisters. In Christ, we have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. That's why our worldview should be shaped as such. And so I stand here before you today because I have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection. Because if I didn't, I would find something else to do. Believe me. There are too many baseball games being played. There are too many other things that I could be doing and you could be doing. But we should be living our lives in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. That's what our life should consist of. It's what should govern us as believers. Now, I did not always have a sure and certain hope. In my youth, I had a hope. It was more like, I guess you could say this, uh, uh, a hunch. You know, people get these hunches. Don't go by them. (laughs) They're probably going to prove to be pretty hopeless. But in my youth, I had a hope, but it was not a Sure and certain hope, which is why at the age of 20, I had what they call a crisis of faith, which was a crisis because I didn't have faith. That's why it's a crisis, right? Whenever we have a crisis of faith, it's because we don't have faith. I had a worldly hope, like... Scratching off a lottery ticket. That kind of a hope. Not based on anything, just just hope. Not a sure and certain hope. Because I tell you, if I had a sure and certain hope about the lottery, I would play it. But I don't. So I don't play it. Because I know I'm going to lose. Just like... Just like 99.99999% of everybody else. That's, the odds aren't very hopeful there. And so if that is our viewpoint on the resurrection, if that is our viewpoint concerning uh, our faith, then yeah, it's going to be hopeless. It's going to be a crisis. So as a result of my crisis of faith, not having a sure and certain hope, my life reflected one who was not sure and certain. They go hand in hand, right? If you're sure and certain, it will change things. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you act. It'll change the things you do. It'll change the way you govern your life. But it is these words, sure and certain, that now dictate my life. 
the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. And this is Paul's purpose here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He is trying to impart to the church at Corinth a sure and certain hope of the resurrection because they did not have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection because there were people coming around telling them, nah, there's not actually a resurrection, not a physical resurrection. It's not a real thing. And so Paul, writing to them, spends 58 verses here to assure them of the resurrection. So there were those who were attempting to dissuade them from a sure and certain hope, which is basically everything you're going to come into contact with in this culture today. And it has had a big impact upon us. And so Paul is writing them to try to impart unto them a sure and certain hope. And so today, in the midst of all the skepticism and atheism and Satanism of our day, which, by the way, news article um, came out yesterday from the secular news about how so many young people are now turning to Satanism. Mm Mm-hmm. But the whole world is really trying to beat us down at this moment to dissuade us from having a sure and certain hope. Because, I'm telling you what, a church that has a sure and certain hope is going to set this world on fire and turn it upside down. And the reason why we're in retreat and hiding and weak and inept is because we don't have a sure and certain hope. So notice again our text. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. I want us to notice two things here this morning. First of all, the certainty of death. And second of all, the certainty of the resurrection. If you only have one, because if you, if you don't have both of them, you can only have one, which is the first one, right? And if all you have is the certainty of death, so I want us to notice two things, because I want you to have both of them. I want you to have a certainty of death. Because if you have a certainty of the resurrection along with the certainty of death, then it's a double incentive to live for Christ. First of all, the certainty of death. The whole of 1 Corinthians 15 is about the certainty of the resurrection, right? That's what Paul is trying to do, is to encourage them and to exhort them to have confidence in the resurrection. Therefore, the certainty of death and all the causes and ramifications are only mentioned in passing by Paul here in this chapter, But the certainty of death is seen in this chapter. It's seen all throughout the Bible, but it's seen in comments like verse number 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. You see, the implication of what Paul is talking about is the fall, original sin, and the curse that came upon the world. Therefore, Christ had to come because of Death. The wages of sin is death, right? 
Christ died for our sins. So, the implication in that statement is concerning the certainty of death. Then in verse 17, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Verse 21, for since by man came death. Verse 22, for as in Adam all die. Verse 42, the body is sown in corruption. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. It is sown in weakness. It is sown a natural body. There is a natural body. The first man of the earth was of the earth, made of dust. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust. So the implications all throughout this chapter is about the certainty of death. In Adam, all die. Everyone. Nobody is going to escape it. If you are of man and not some other form, you are going to die. Because we bear the image of Adam, the first man, we were born dead in trespasses and sin. God had made a covenant with Adam, and Adam broke that covenant and brought sin and death into the world. So because of that, death is certain. Why is it certain? Because of sin. Because sin kills. I mean, even the whole aspects of the moral law, the whole aspects of the law shines forth. Even within the law shines forth the gospel. It shines forth the aspect that death is certain. The wages of sin is death which is a testimony to God and his word. Because it's true, right? And we see it all throughout our society. What does sin bring? It brings destruction and death. Everybody's always wanting to tell us, oh, well, you know, I mean, um, people should be able to do whatever they want to do. So people should be able to kill. Because that's what sin does. It kills. It destroys body and soul. You think child rape doesn't kill the soul of the victim? Absolutely. Sin is destructive in every aspect and in every form. It brings death. And so death is certain. We cannot escape it. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So why is death certain? Because Adam sinned. Why is death certain? Because you're a sinner. Because you have sinned. The wages of sin is death. It is a fact that you sin because you bear the image of the earthly, which is Adam. You sin because Adam sinned and passed on his sinful genes under the curse of sin to us today. We sin because we have a sinful nature, a fallen nature. And it's not just that. But we sin in greater ways because we act upon 
that sinful nature in greater degree because of this judgment of sin upon us through the law. So when we hear, you're a sinner, you know what our response is? To do more sin. As a matter of fact, it is enticing to us when we hear the condemnation of the law, when the law is proclaimed, thou shalt not. And listen, if you've ever had kids, you know this is true. And we say, I can too. Every time you hear the word, thou shalt not, you are such a sinner that you say, I'll do what I want to do. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'm my own boss. I'm my own man. I can do my own thing. Right? Why? Because we're sinful. We are so sinful that upon hearing about being sinful, it makes us want to do more sin because we're sinful, so that we can prove it. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says this. Listen, he says, And the commandment which was ordained to life. When God gave the commandment to Adam, what was it ordained to? Do this and you'll live. It was ordained to life, right? And so that's why Paul says, listen, the law is holy and it's good and it's spiritual. But he says, the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. Because I'm a sinner. And then he says this. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. The commandment given to Adam was ordained to life, but it works death in us. So what God gave to Adam, which was ordained to life for him, it now works death in us. Completely contrary to what it was ordained for. Because of our disobedience, because of our sin, because of original sin. And so... It works death in us because the commandment declares that the wages of sin is death. Paul says it this way concerning the certainty of death. He says, if there is no hope of resurrection, there is only the certainty of death. And if that is the case, only if certainty of death remains. Paul says in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 15, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And then later on in verse 32, his conclusion is this. If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. See, the certainty of death, which is the wages of sin, produces the operation of sin in us. And if that's all you have, 
that will be your worldview. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You see, the certainty of death actually produces evil works. This is a gauge we can use in understanding who has actually the hope of the resurrection, and most importantly, a gauge for us to know the status of our hope. In other words, the status of our faith, the strength or the weakness. If our hope is simply insurance, just in case, or if our hope is simply thinking that we might strike it rich, it will not produce good works in us, but will produce more sin. The certainty of death produces selfishness. That's what it produces. If we do not have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection. So in the first point here, what we have basically tried to emphasize is the importance for Christians to have a sure and certain hope. And the importance for us to be able to declare that message throughout the world. Because it, what our view is on this topic will actually shape the way we think. And it will cause us to either act or not act in a certain way. So secondly, notice the certainty of the resurrection, and this is what Paul is attempting to instill in Christians, a sure and certain hope of the resurrection. First of all, it is sure and certain because Jesus was resurrected. That's how he begins this chapter. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Notice here that Paul uses inspired and non-inspired evidence. There is the evidence of Scripture. He said, as he said, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, and resurrected according to the Scriptures, right? So there is the evidence of Scripture, which is God-breathed, which is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And yet, he also uses historical evidence. Not only was it declared in the scriptures, but he says it was also declared to you by this person and that person and this person and that person who were eyewitnesses. There's this historical record. There is this traditional means. Not to make these things of the same authority of scripture, not by any means, but as helps or as aids to our faith which has been one of the devastating things that has happened to us. We have been disconnected from the church throughout history in the past. We can't even name any of the Christians that were in the first and second and third century, and we don't know anything about them. But these were people who were direct recipients of the actual teachings of the apostles. And we are so disconnected from our own history that we're not receiving any help and aid 
Is it any wonder we look around America and it's like, sure, and certain hope? I don't think that describes us today. So he used scriptural evidence. He used historical evidence. The authoritative evidence for the sure and certain hope of the resurrection is the resurrection of Christ. In other words, those who have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected. (laughs) Making your heart feel a little faint here? Hmm? It should be, right? It should be making us all feel a little faint in the weakness of our faith. Because if I come over here and say, hey, do we have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection? It's like, what? Yeah. That means when the question is being asked, do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? You should be answering, yeah. Because they're the same. They're intertwined. In other words, if Jesus rose from the dead, there's a resurrection. And if there is no resurrection, Jesus did not rise from the dead. And that's Paul's argument. Because if the dead don't rise, then that means Jesus didn't rise. You can't have it both ways. There is either resurrection or there is not. And so, this is where we have blundered. And we have completely dismantled the essence of Christianity today. We don't know what it means to follow Christ. And we think that following Christ is at best a few words we say at one moment in time, and that is it. And this is the reason why we have lost the sure and certain hope of the resurrection to be replaced with some spiritual concept of mystical, non-physical reality. Whatever that means, right? That was a bunch of mumbo-jumbo that is actually meaningless if you start looking at what I just said. Some spiritual concept of mystical, non-physical reality. Doesn't even make any sense. But that's what everyone means today was, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious, I'm, I'm spiritual. Oh yeah? What do you believe? Well, I believe in Satan. I mean, that's becoming the thing now, right? I'm a Wiccan priestess. Oh, you're spiritual, okay. Jesus told us to take up our cross and follow him. We are baptized into Christ because Jesus was baptized. Are you following Christ or not? We seek to do the will of his father because he did the will of his father. Are you following Christ or not? We seek the lost because he sought the lost. Are we following Christ or not? We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because that is what Jesus did. And if we are to follow him, then we need to actually follow him. Not with lip service, but in actuality. See, if we're not following him, why would we think that we're not, why would we think that we're going, why would we have a sure and certain uh, hope of the resurrection, which is to follow Christ over here, when we won't follow him anywhere else? That's also a question that can be asked both ways. 
then why would we, I mean, why do we think we sh- we're going to be resurrected? If we won't follow him here, why do we think we get to follow him there? And so, we follow him into his death. See, you're either going to follow Adam into his death, or you're going to follow Jesus into his death. One of the two. Which one do you want to follow? Adam or Jesus? See, we follow him in his burial so that we might follow him in his resurrection. Today we quote Ephesians chapter 2. And it's even became this trendy thing with the young, restless, and reformed. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But we conveniently leave out verse 10. We stop, right? Where it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We are supposed to be created in Christ, all things new. Everything becomes about Christ. We're baptized into Christ. And this is actually one of the strong points of Presbyterians. Our children are born. Um, We're baptized into Christ. We are given a ministry of reconciliation. We become ambassadors. We're supposed to do the work of Christ. We exist in the body of Christ. And then we are to die in Christ and be buried in Christ so that we might be raised in Christ. But we forget the following part. All we want... All we want is the health, wealth, and prosperity. We just want to win the lottery. That's all we want. We don't want to work. We don't want to do anything. We just want all these benefits. And so, too, we are forgetting the death and burial part, and as a result, we don't have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection. This is the very reason why we plant or sow the bodies of believers. It is the certain and sure hope of the resurrection. We rightly say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But if that is all there is, we could dispose of the body in a number of different ways, including... Having rays, pick them up, throwing them in the dump. Couldn't we? If that's all there is, it's just death. If all there is, is just to go back to ashes and nothing else. There are a multitude of different ways that can be done. But we believe in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is our sure and certain hope. If Jesus came to redeem us from the wages of sin and to grant unto us eternal life, then our hope is sure and certain that we will be raised in his likeness. Just as he was raised from the dead and was seen bodily, so too we shall be raised. In verse number 12, Paul says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some say among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. You see, we can't have it both ways. There is, if there is no resurrection, 
then Christ is not risen. And if we do not have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection, Christ is not risen, and we are of most all men most miserable because we what all we have is a sure and certain hopelessness of death. Therefore, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Let us enjoy every aspect of this world and sin imaginable, if death is all there is. But Jesus did not come to leave the world in sin and death. He came to establish everlasting righteousness and eternal life. Jesus came to die for the remission of our sins so that we might be raised in everlasting life. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And the good news is a sure and certain hope of the resurrection in Jesus Christ. Notice verse number 50 as Paul concludes this passage. He says, now this I say, brethren... That flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. There may be some here who say, I do not have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection because I don't believe, I don't have faith. But if this is true, I would like to know. I would like to have faith. And at this point, many mistakes are made. Because notice what Paul says in beginning this final part. He says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so we want a sign. We want something in Adam to convince us, but the only thing in Adam to convince us is our sin and death, which is only our reality. We proclaim the law to reveal our sin and death in order to point sinners to Christ because, the, because of the sure and certain hope that only comes by believing in him. You see, the gospel is a proclamation and a directive. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is actually a command. It's the gospel call. And as A.W. Pink said, We are commanded, and if you don't believe, and if you don't repent, then you're just damning yourself. You see, we're told the gospel call is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a command that we issue because the hope of salvation is a work of God. Pray to the Lord, and he will give you a sure and certain hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will give you a sure and certain hope of the resurrection. Follow Jesus, and he will give you a sure and certain hope of the resurrection. 
If the law convicts you of your sin and death, if the gospel is calling you to believe, then believe, repent, and be baptized into Christ in his death. Follow Christ, and he who shall give you a sure and certain hope of the resurrection. If you are a believer whose faith is weak, and you do, uh, and you want to have a solid, sure, and certain hope of the resurrection, then follow Jesus by determining to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What I am saying is to be in Christ. And that's the thing that we are lacking, and that's the reason why we are in such trouble today. To live in Christ. Therefore, renounce Satan and pledge your allegiance to Christ. Mortify Adam and be created new in Christ in faith and repentance. Mortify the old man, Adam, and put on the new man, Christ, through the word, through baptism, through the Lord's Supper and in prayer. It is only in Christ that we can have a sure and certain hope of the resurrection. Outside of Christ, you can't have one. It's impossible. Jesus said, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. That's the first step. That's what faith is, is to step out in belief. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Paul said in Romans 14, For if we live, we live unto the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. But the key thing is being in Christ. Living in Christ. We have been called to live in him, a new life in Christ. We are to live in Christ so much so that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it in Christ. And that is the scheme of Satan that he has used to bring down Western Christendom is to get us to remove ourselves from Christ and still call us Christians. We're Christians, but we don't live according to Christ. I mean, we've even discarded our Christian calendar. We're discarding our Christian words. We're, we, a long time ago, we discarded our Christian conduct. We're just getting rid of, we've gotten rid of everything. And therefore, at some point in time, we have to ask ourselves, could the reason why we don't have this sure and certain hope of the resurrection anymore be that we have removed Christ from our midst? We maybe have received the warning that Christ warned some of the churches there in Revelation about, about removing the candlestick out of their midst. Father, we pray that you would help us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because we know that the only assurance that's ever going to come to us the only way that we're ever going to have a certain and sure hope of the resurrection is to be in Christ who has risen. And so we pray that you would 
bestow faith to us and that you would strengthen and in, that you would strengthen and increase that faith even though we know that the faith that you give is saving the faith that you give is effectual in our salvation we also confess that we don't always exercise that faith very well your the faith that you have granted unto us is sufficient but we don't always use it rightly so we pray dear lord that you would help us to live by faith in jesus christ our lord amen